Good job, guys. Appreciated that. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, Joshua chapter number three this evening, Joshua chapter number three. Man, I tell you what, we've been having an exciting time downstairs. For you guys, VBS ended and you just went right on back to normal. But for us downstairs, we've had some new kids getting involved. Uh, the teen class has had some. I know Pastor Kent's enjoyed having them. We were able to open back up our bus routes. That's really what happened. And so now we're able to bring in uh, a lot of the kids that were unable to come for a while. And it has been a blessing to see them back again and being able to grow uh, in the teaching of the Word of God and being able to see them compete in the competitions we have down there and just having fun. And man, I tell you what, God's been blessing. It's always good to see people coming to church, but I think it's especially good when we can see children getting involved in church. Man, I turned it on, so I'm blaming you guys. Uh, yeah, it's on. Now it's off. Now it's back on. Is it on? I got a green light. I got a full battery. It's uh, channel one. Y'all just hold on. Sound crew's a little under mando, under adequate or something. It's not going to work for me to stand behind this pulpit, man. That's, I can't do that. I can use one of these handhelds. Can you hear me? So, it's very weak. Let me hold it up here. I can slip it up a little bit, maybe. <laughs> yeah, from a tie. Are we good? Yeah, I can be loud. I can be acoustic. Okay. So we'll just tone it up a little bit, act like I'm downstairs. If it doesn't work, let me know and I'll grab a handheld. All right. Uh, but yeah, it's good to see children getting involved in the service and they don't really have to, you know, experience me not having a mic down there. But it is good to see them involved and enjoying the service. And we're just thankful for all that God's doing. And for me personally to you guys, thanks for all your help at VBS and for those of you involved in the bus routes and continuing to drive and serve in that way. Uh, Joshua chapter number three and chapter number four is where we're going to be tonight. Looking at this stall of the next step, moving on to the next step. Now, as we dive into the message, we're really going to be looking at the idea or the thought or the event of the children of Israel crossing over Jordan and all that took place there from beforehand until after the crossing of the river of Jordan. So what we're going to be studying out tonight, uh, and I hope that you come with an open mind. A lot of times we're familiar with these stories, and so as it's presented, we kind of breeze over it. And Well, I've heard it, and I know it. And so tonight I ask that you meet personally with God tonight, and you say, God, is it time for me to take the next step? And if so, will you show me, for me personally, for us as a church, what is the next step? Let's pray, and we're going to dive into what I believe God has for us here tonight. God, we want to thank you once again for the opportunity to meet in your house we want to thank you, God, for the opportunity to study your word. And tonight I ask that you empty me of myself, God, and that you just get me out of the way, and that you meet with us individually, God, and that the Holy Spirit would speak with us. And if it's time for us to take a step, God, would you show us each individually what's the next thing you have for us? As we study the scriptures, allow us to open our hearts and our minds. And may we each individually ask that, God, you meet with us here tonight. We're not here to waste our time, but we're here to come into the presence of God. And so, God, you, you promised that where two or three gathered there, you would be in the midst of them. And so tonight, would you be in the midst of this service? And as we study your word, may you meet with us and help us to grow closer to you as a result. And in Jesus' name, amen. 
There's one thing that is required right off the bat, and we're going to study a couple other things throughout the course of the night, but there is one thing that's required right off the bat if you want to take a step, and that's you have to want to take the step. Now, this isn't in the message, all right, but this is just free, right off the bat, not part of the package deal. If you want to move forward, you have to want to take the step. And, and tonight, if, if you're saying, well, I don't know that I want to take the next step for God. Maybe you know what it is. Maybe you don't know what it is. Maybe you don't care what it is. But if you're not saying, hey, I'm ready to move forward for God, if he has something next for me that I'm willing to go, then, then really, well, well, the message won't apply to you, but I don't feel bad because you're probably not listening anyway. But for those of you who are ready to take the next step, I feel like this message could be an encouragement to you, and it was an encouragement to me. Some people really like the assembly line. You know what I'm saying? Show up, work, do the same thing. You know, take this, put it in there, hand it on. Just all day long like a little robot, a human robot. I hate it. I hate the assembly line. I'll be at work with Jason, and I told him, I think it was Friday, I told Jason, we were looking at a job, and he said, I'll get so-and-so to do that. And it was cutting a board out, and it was in a really awkward spot, and they're going to have to do it with a fine tool, a flush cut saw, whatever you call it. It cuts very slow. I said, I'm glad you're having them do it because I would lose my mind. Just sitting there, all day. I'm like, please, let someone else do it. I hate just doing repetitive stuff. I'm always on to the next step. When we was building the stage at VBS, there was a couple times dad came up and he's like, hey, uh, it doesn't matter, but why are you working on this now when you was just over there? I'm like, well, some, some, I put somebody else on that, and I wanted to come start this now because I just want to move on to something new, you know? My attention span is like this big, and then I'm like, next step. Let's go to the next thing. Some people want that way. I'm not saying one way is right and one way is wrong, but I think when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to Christianity, God is always ready to call us to the next step. I think how effective we are in moving forward for God is not dependent upon Him calling us to something newer and bigger, but it is dependent upon our willingness to go. And so tonight as we study this, it really is imperative that if this is going to really impact our lives or make a difference, then the mindset we have to have coming into it is God, honestly, openly. I'm comfortable where I'm at. But if you're ready for me to move on, then I'm ready to move on equally. And as we take on that mindset, let's jump into the story in Joshua chapter 3, Joshua chapter 4, only the beginning of 4, guys. It's not going to be a long message. We're going to wrap it up quick tonight, hopefully before... Uh, 7 o'clock. Yeah, that's when we get out. Okay, hopefully before 7 o'clock. Beginning of the story. You guys are familiar with it. Children of Israel, here we are in the wilderness. We had a chance to get out 40 years ago, and we blew it, right? And that was the study of Caleb we did several weeks ago uh, when they came back, and everybody's like, nope, not interested. We're staying here. And everybody really uh, dies that could have went. And now we have a completely new generation. Once again, Israel sends spies into the land. Rahab protects them, and they come back out. And this time, the story looks a little bit different. In fact, when the spies come back, they tell them about the land. They say, the land looks great. It's a land full of milk and honey. And guess what? The people there are already scared of us. We already have an advantage, and we've not even showed up yet. It's like the football team that's won state for the past three years at Riverheads. Um, but when they show up, everybody's already like, great, here they are. You know, like, well, they're going to take a loss here. And that's kind of how the, the promised land people were, and it's a bunch of different long names. All the ites are over there, and you know about them. But that's 
what all these people were saying is, oh, great, here comes the children of Israel. God is blessing them. God's hands upon them, and we don't want to fight. And so when the spies come back this time, they say, Joshua, let's go. We can do it. Let's go take this land. God's promised, us to, promised it to us. Forty years ago, we missed an opportunity, and let's go. And that's where we jump into the story. Joshua chapter number 3 and verse number 1. He's just told from the spies the good news that it's time to go. And Joshua rose early in the morning. And they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. I want to show you first off when it comes to crossing the river. Before you cross, before you get the opportunity to cross Jordan and to go into the promised land, it is wise to position yourself by the river. The spies come back and say, hey, Joshua, things look good. We can do it. And three days before time to cross, Joshua said, okay, we're in Shittim. The, the Jordan River is ahead of us, and God hasn't said it's time to cross yet. But let's go ahead and make sure we're positioned by the river so when the door is open, when the water is parted, that we are ready to cross. I love bow hunting. Favorite season of the year, period. Man, October rolls around that first Saturday. Hopefully it's a cold one, not too cold like 40 degrees. That way you can just wear a hoodie. You're all out in that stand, leaves everywhere, squirrels everywhere. Woods are alive still. Winter hasn't ruined everything yet. And you can climb up in that tree, sit there with a cup of coffee. If you're like me, you get there about 30 minutes before daylight and pull your hood up. You lean back, close your eyes, face your tree stand kind of where the sun hits you in the eyes. And right as the sun comes up, you're like looking around. If you have a good spot, the deer is already standing there. If you have a bad spot, Probably going to be sitting there till 10 a.m. Either way, it's not about the shot. It's about being in the woods that morning. Man, I love opening day of bow season. And normally I hunt opening day in the second Saturday, and then after that my hunting career just kind of dwindles off. But I can bet you one thing. Unless something goes dramatically wrong, opening day of bow season, don't call me before 10 because I'm not answering. I'm going to be in a stand, and I don't care. Now, after 10, I'll care. But until then, probably not. Last year, bow season was coming up. It was like a little bit before this time of year. I went to the cars and I got out my bow. I started shooting. And Danielle's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm getting ready for bow season, man. I got to be ready. I got to shoot every day, every day, every day I'm shooting. She's like, okay, good, good. You want to be a good shot? I shot on uh, that whole evening, a couple hours. I come home from work the next evening. I get out my bow. Danielle's like, what are you doing? I'm like, practicing for bow season. I got to be ready. And, and she was thinking about bow hunting. She came out and shot with me. I keep this up for like a couple weeks, and she's like, you're really going to shoot every day? I'm like, yes, I'm really going to shoot every day because when bow season comes, opening day of bow season, I know I got a good spot. Deer's going to walk in, and I ain't going to be like Terry and Miss. I'm going to be there on shore when I pull the trigger. It's going to be a good shot. And so I don't care if I've got 50 hours invested in the .5 seconds of that. When the arrow leaves... I want to be prepared. When the deal walks in, I want to be prepared. And so, yeah, I invest more time in my preseason than I spend time in the stand during bow season. I normally only hunt bow season like twice. And I'll invest 50, 60, 70 hours every evening for as long as I can shooting. Why? 
so that I'm prepared. I feel like as that carries over to the Christian life a lot of times, both season comes first spiritually and God's ready for us to do something for him. And we've not practiced at all. It was one summer I shot all summer long. 200 arrows a day, every day, all summer long. 200 arrows takes a long time to shoot. And I would not have trusted myself the season after that to just pick up my bow and walk into the woods. I was knocking arrows together every day, busting knocks. The season after that, guess what I was doing? Practicing again. I didn't just rely on what I had already done. I stayed in practice. Joshua says, okay, the Lord's going to allow us to cross Jordan here. This is what the next step for the children of Israel is. It's time for us to go from the season in the wilderness and to the season that we have in the promised land. God's made it clear it's time to cross. And so I'm going to go ahead and position myself by the river. That way when God poets it, I'm ready to walk through. As Christians, I think if you want to be the one that gets to cross Jordan, if you want to be the one taking the next step, doing something next for God, not just sitting in the wilderness, then you have got to be sure you're positioning yourself by the water. You say, what do you mean? For example, is your job in the way of how much you can serve at the church? For example, if God was to call you to be a missionary, have you put yourself in a position to where there's no way that could happen? If God was to call you for service in some small area, is your life so filled with things that you couldn't make it to the river in time? If you want to do something for God, then I think it's important that with our knowledge of the Bible, our effectiveness in prayer, and our availability to service, we be positioned by the river saying, God, whenever you're ready to poke this thing, I'm ready to take the next step into the water. The devil does a great job in American culture keeping us extremely busy with nothing. Man, I do nothing all the time, and I'm so busy, I have no time to do anything. I'm not even kidding. Every day is slammed, like slammed full. And I'll look back on a week and be like, what did I do? You know? I mean, I went to work, but after that, I got this whole, you know, 30 hours, and I got no account of where they went or what happened. Satan just clams our lives in. And in doing so, we live and shit them. And God says, hey, I'm potent the water. And instead of moving to Jordan, we say, okay, God, when you're ready, you let me know, and I'll adjust all this then. But that's not what Joshua did. Before you can cross the river, you need to position yourself by the river ahead of time. For Joshua, it was three days ahead of time. Not only do you need to position yourself by the river, but you need to identify the leader. Identify the leader. Joshua 3, verses 3 and 4. And they commanded the people, that is the officers, commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, that is, you know, in Old Testament, as we studied before, the presence of God, the Lord your God, and the priest of the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, 
that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. And can I say it's important when you're looking to take the next step that you identify who you're following. Joshua says, hey, before we cross, I want to clarify this, how this is going to go. Right? Joshua's a good leader. He laid out really clear plans, and he kept them very simple. He says, what you're going to watch for is the Levites carrying the Ark of the Covenant. When you see that, follow it. And I love the way Joshua knew people are terrible followers. He says, let me give you all a good idea. 2,000 cubits. A cubit is 18 inches, so I can't do the math that fast. But he basically says, y'all stay a long way back. That way you don't just go the wrong way. And then he kindly says, because none of y'all know where you're going. All right? So I've informed these people where to go. All y'all stay back and follow. This is the leader and follow them. The leader being the oak of the covenant, the presence of God. I feel a lot of times people are ready for the next step in their life. But instead of saying, God, what is the next step you are having me take? We say, well, hmm, I've been here for a minute. I'm going to take another step, and I have this clear opportunity. I don't really see any reason. No, okay, I'm just going to go this way. And we go way around. Well, um, I'm ready to take another step, and I'm ready to move on, and God's not really leading, um, so I'm just kind of going to go this way. I feel God may be calling me into missions, but I'm not really feeling it, so I'm going to follow this way. And, and we are taking steps, but we don't have our leader identified. And it's vital. <laughs> Excuse me. Wow, it is vital that when you go to take another step, you know who you're following. When it comes to effective ministry, when it comes to an effective life, there is no better picture than Jesus Christ. He was only here for 33 years, and he only had a ministry of three years. Yet in those three years that we are able to study in the Bible, we see a more effective ministry than is ever laid out by any man to follow in any time. We see a more effective lifestyle than any man has ever been able to duplicate. We see that Christ is the perfect picture of a man, obviously sinless, but also dynamically effective with people. In three years, he went from no one. Huge following, whole nation ready to serve him. Three years. And that's the picture of what to follow. When we're ready to take the next step, we need to identify the leader as Jesus Christ and follow him. And, and it's important to know then, if I could make this perhaps simple, if you ain't reading what he did, you ain't knowing what he wants. It cracks me up what we think we know about the Bible. We do trivia for the kids downstairs, right? And we'll ask a question. And there's a lot of times me and Homan will both read the question, and then we'll just look at each other like, huh? And then we flip our code over and we read the answer, and we're like, oh, oh, that's what it was talking about. The other day, I asked the kids, we're teaching in creation in CG3, I asked them to tell me what was created on each day. Guess how many they got right? And guess what? I bet most of y'all wouldn't get past day three. I bet half y'all would miss day one. If I was to ask you to give me the Ten Commandments in order, it's only ten lines, not even really whole sentences. 
<laughs> I got $5 saying less than 25% of you could give me all 10 of them in order. Let alone the details of how Christ led. Let alone the details of how Christ wants us to live. Man, we're all gone, ho ready to do something. And we have no idea where we're going. Even for those of us who are gone, ho ready to take the next step for Christ. We're not taking the next step in our career. We're not taking the next step just going after money or after whatever. We're going after good times and relaxing or retirement or whatever. For those of us who say, God, I want the next step for you, we're unprepared to do so because we don't really know the word of God. It amazed me at college. I was watching the draft with a group of friends. And uh, it's just a small group, not the group I would normally watch the draft with and watching football, preparing for fantasy football, right? You've got to play fantasy football in college. and So I was doing it. And I went back to my dorm, and, man, I was arguing with my roommates all around. And a hall leader walked in, and he heard us arguing about so-and-so and who's this and what's that and how's this posting season going to look. He just quietly says, if only you knew as much about Jesus as you did about those athletes. Because I could argue for days. But man, when it comes to the word of God, there's, in a five-minute conversation, you could ask me a question that I'm going. Let me text you back. How about that? Can I? And it's all right to study the word of God, but if we don't know who the leader is, then we don't know where we're going. And Joshua says, look, follow the leader. You haven't passed this way heretofore, and it's important that you follow the leader. But not only that, thought I want to show you Joshua 3.5 as we keep it moving. And Joshua said unto the people, first off, hey, let's go to Jordan and get ready. Second off, when you see the Ark of the Covenant going, be sure you follow it because that's showing you where to go. And three, you personally, individually, y'all got to take care of this one. Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. If we want to take the next step, we got to sanctify our hearts. Sanctify our hearts. Joshua comes to the people. He says, tomorrow, the big day. Finally, 40 years and three days, we're about to do what we could have done a long time ago. God is going to do wonders. And I like the way he didn't tell them what was coming. He's just like, God's going to do something miraculous tomorrow. You. If you want to be part of it, if you want to see it, go sanctify yourself. He's not talking about salvation. In the Old Testament, these were already God's chosen people. This is the children of Israel. So, so in, in relevance, he's not saying, you know, hey, if you're not part of the children of Israel, become one. He's not saying join the family of God. What he's saying is, uh, to translate to New Testament times, speaking to the church, if you want to see God do wonders tomorrow, be sure your heart's right with him. Can I tell you something? There's a big difference in being saved and being right with God. Huge. And I don't think that these people were necessarily intentionally not right with God. But obviously, 
they needed sanctified. Psalms 139, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my hope. Try me and know my thoughts. When's the last time you came up to God and you said, God, I want to take another step for you. I'm ready for the next thing you have for me. I'm ready to step across Jordan in my life, God. But I know in order to see you do something miraculous right here, i got to take care of everything right here. God, show me. A lot of times, shame on me, I pray this only when I feel that I'm kind of in a good spot, you know. I don't really need to pray, God, search me and know me when I already know, you know. I'm like, he knows and I know, and so let's fix it. But there comes times when I'm like, not perfect, but I feel like I'm doing pretty good. And I'll say, God, search me. Know my heart. Show me my thoughts, God. Show me where I'm at spiritually. You want to know what I realize real fast? I'm a long way from where I need to be. It's like I want to take the prayer back. I'm like, okay, stop, stop, stop. Hold up. Let me get out a piece of paper. Let me get out a pen. This is too much. This is too fast. Let's hold up. Joshua says, look, guys, hey, it's time to call Jordan. Good news. It's time to take the next step. God's blessing the children of Israel. It's time to leave the wilderness. It's time to leave the wandering. It's time to have purpose. And it's time to go to where God wants us to be, the place of blessing that God designed for us. And before we can go, we need to sanctify ourselves. I wonder how much more quickly we could move forward in steps for God if we more frequently sanctified ourselves. Lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset you. Is there something right now that you know of and you know full well you can't cross Jordan because of this. And then the question, are you willing to take that, sanctify yourself, so that God can lead you across Jordan? So before crossing, get by the river, identify your leader, sanctify yourself. Now let's talk about, wow, crossing, wow, crossing the river. Joshua 3, 13. And it shall come to pass as soon as the souls of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest, note, in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan whoop, shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. First step while crossing the Jordan, be willing to get your feet wet. You're ready to cross Jordan and take the next step. Be willing to get your feet wet. Now, I married someone from St. Louis. She's an angel, but she's still from St. Louis, and she likes sushi, loves it. I've never had sushi, 
You know, I'm more of like grill a cow over eat or all fish. That's just kind of where I was at, you know. Oh, uh, you know, I can go shoot something and cook it. This not cooking thing didn't really click with me. And she politely asked if we could have sushi, to which I politely said, no. <laughs> that was sweet, right? And this continues, you should try sushi. No. Sushi's great. No. You should try a sushi roll. What's on it? Well, it's got like this raw fish and seaweed and rice. You want one? No. Like if I'm going to pay somebody to cook something, they're going to cook it. Okay? Like, right? Like, is that that hard? Finally. She's like, just try it once. If you don't like it, we'll never eat it again. I was like, deal. I'll try it once, and then you'll be off my case about it, and maybe I will like it. We'll see. So we go get some sushi, right? And that's when it hit me. How do you test it out without just eating it? How are you supposed to know how raw fish and seaweed taste without just tasting it? I kind of thought there would be something like, you know, like to lead up. No. They just set down this sushi roll. And I'm like, okay, let's not make this awkward, you know. Let's just act like I've done this before. Let's just be confident. So slide your drink a little bit closer, and you're like, okay. <laughs> we can do this, you know, make sure you got a napkin positioned. And I'm sitting there, and Danielle takes one sheet, and she's like, wow, this is really good sushi. And that, that made me glad, you know. I was glad. I was like, okay, at least this isn't like cheap you know, dead, nasty fish sushi. At least this is good sushi, you know. And then I pick it up. And I'm like, well, I mean, everybody's done watching me now. They done see me looking at this for so long. At some point, I'm going to just have to eat this. So I just eat it. And it's like a vole, like this big. It's like the size of an Oreo. So you can't, like, half bite that. You just got to eat it, you know, like... So I eat it. It wasn't bad, and it wasn't great. All right? I don't even know how to describe it to you. Don't eat it if you have the option. <laughs> but it wasn't bad. It had some kind of sauce on it that was good, tasted like it was from America. Everything else was not good. Point is, there comes a point when you're eating sushi when you got to get your feet wet. You can smell it. Smells like fish. I guess, I don't know, the ocean maybe. I don't know what it smells like. You can look at it, and it looks like a vice Oreo. I don't know what to tell you guys. There comes a point, if you don't know what sushi tastes like, you just got to eat it. You just got to say, okay, I I'm trusting that this is, wow, good sushi. And so we haven't had sushi since. Not the point, though. I think a lot of times as Christians... We come to the water. There's Jordan. And we stand. We're like, sounds like fish. Kind of looks like an Oreo. Might not be bad. But I've always had everything cooked, so as soon as God posts the water, I'll walk across. I mean, I'm not about to actually do this in the water. The Bible says that the waters aren't going to poke until the priest's foot 
rested in the water. They had to be willing to get their feet wet. If you want to take the next step for God, it's not going to work for you to stand there on the shore and spend your whole life saying, God, as soon as you poke the waters, buddy, I'm in now. I just don't really trust my swimming abilities. So, you mentioned that whole stop the waters. Now, uh, now, um, something's not working. Uh, hmm, I don't know. What's the, what's the magic saying for this one? You know, like, and we never do any more steps. We might run down the Jordan and sneak across the little stream. The place they crossed was right up against Jericho. The battle that perhaps built the most morale and the Israelite troops was Jericho. Right off the bat. That's why God had him cross there. He wasn't just a random spot in the river. But if the priest would have said, it's kind of cold today. Maybe try again tomorrow. This was the time of harvest. The Bible tells us. Um, I have it here. In verse number 15. For the Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. This river is not like a calm, lazy stream. It says overflowing. It's got too much water. It's above the banks. This water is roaring past. And that is the moment they have to step in. Friends, can I tell you something? If you're ready to take the next step for God, then you have got to be willing to jump in. It's better to say, God, this may seem really crazy, and I'm not sure uh, about this whole missions thing, but God, if you're calling me to missions, then I'm just going to jump in. And if I drown, then I drowned it. Drown, however you say the word. That's on you now, because you called me here and I just stepped in. God, if you want me more involved in the church, and I really don't have time in my schedule, I really don't think my boss is going to like that, but... I'm just going to trust you to stop the water. If you're not willing to get your feet wet, then you're not going to take any more steps. You can only go so close to Jordan before you've got to step into the water to keep moving. While you're crossing, be willing to get your feet wet. But also, once you get your feet wet, just stop for a moment and watch God do Wonders. Joshua 3, 15 through 17. And as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, as their feet began to get wet. For Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap, very far from the city of Adam, that is beside Zeraton. And those that came down towards the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, fell and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho, and the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. This isn't your usual windstorm by Jordan that piles the waters up. This isn't a usual occurrence. 
Typically, at the time of harvest, the Jordan River doesn't overflow its banks and then randomly for half a day and then go. That's it's a miracle of God. And friends, when you say, God, show me the next step, and you're following the leader, you're sanctified in your soul, and you say, God, really going out on a limb. Never in my life have I seen a river pile up. You split the sea in half, but God, that wasn't moving water. That wasn't the raging Jordan River. And I didn't even see that. I've just heard about it. I've never seen you move like this before, God. I've never seen you do anything like this before. And I don't personally think that I should be the one putting my foot in the water first, but you've called me to do this, and I'm going to step in the Jordan. Friends, God will never fail, never fail to put the water when we step in. The failure in taking a next step is not that God stopped putting waters. It's that people stopped stepping in. I say that again. The problem with taking the next step for God is not that God stopped putting the water. It's that we stopped stepping in. We stopped saying, okay, God, my money, my time, my talent, my home, Put me where you want me. Do what you want with me. I'm ready for the next step. Instead, we're like, well, Jordan's pretty wide. I've never seen God do this before, and the wilderness wasn't too bad. So I think I'll stay here. But when we're willing to say, God, I trust you, no matter what. This is missions month. Maybe God's not calling you to be a missionary. Maybe he's calling you to up how much you give to support them. Maybe he's not calling you to go. Maybe he's not calling you to pay. Maybe he's calling you to pray, and you full well know that your prayer life for missions is like, not good. No matter what the next step for you is, whether it's like a huge or like a baby, until you're willing to take it, nothing's going to happen. Watch God do the wonders once you step in. And then after crossing, after crossing. We've got a long passage to read. Reading your Bible there with me, Joshua 4, 3 through 7, four verses. I'll try to read them quickly. And command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, Twelve stones, and you shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe of man, and Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the oak of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. After crossing 
the Jordan. For a lot of us, we need to come to the place where we do cross, but for some of us, we have crossed. We have said, God, what's the next step? He says, and you say, okay, I'm going. Once you cross Jordan, set up a memorial. Set up a memorial. Kind of a strange request from God. I don't really feel that I would forget, maybe to bring it home, me trying to get across to James and it just stopping and me being like, not too bad. I don't think, I feel like that's the story when I'm in the nursing home and I keep telling the same story to everybody every day. That's going to be the one I'm telling. Be like, son, sit down and let me tell you about this story. I was 19, I was going hunting and drags on this story. And every day. But God says to these people, hey, when you go out, take 12 stones with you and stack them up wherever you sleep tonight. For three reasons. Three reasons I want to show you that I believe we should memorialize things that God is doing for us as we call Jordan when God does the wonders. First off, that this may be a sign among you. That this may be a sign among you. What? These 12 stones stacked up. Big or small, I don't know, but there's 12 stones stacked up somewhere. I assume they're pretty big, but not too big because one man carried them, but at the same time, if it was like 12 little rocks, nobody's going to notice that. So I assume it's a pretty decent size. And he says, stack them up first so that this may be a sign among you. Can I tell you, a lot of times we become... uh, in unbelief of what God is going to do in our lives because we don't keep record of what God has done in our lives. We go our whole life and there's no record, and then we're like, man, God, you're not doing anything. Like, I haven't seen you moving, and I, you haven't blessed me, and, like, I just, what's going on here? Like, do you just not care about me? Like, why aren't you blessing me? Why aren't you blessing this church? Why aren't you, what's up with that? And it's, a few years ago, he pulled to the Jordan. A few years ago, for you, he answered a prayer. A few years ago, a few months ago, a few weeks ago, days, minutes, and then life goes all crazy again. And we're busy in life. And we got 18,000 distractions while we're sleeping, let alone when we're awake. And we're like, wow, God's really not doing anything. And we ourselves, the ones that walked across Jordan, begin to doubt if that's what God would have for us. For those of you who crossed Jordan a while ago and you're faithfully serving where God had you at, you're in the promised land and you're in the middle of the fights. Israel lost some fights. They lost some fights bad, like bad, bad. And I think they remember those stones. And said, God, I know this is where you would have me. I know this is where you have me for our sake, but also for the children's sake, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what mean ye by these stones? If you don't make memories of what God's done for you for no other reason, do it for the kids that are growing up right now. Every day they hear 
that God's not real. That God doesn't exist. And that if God does exist, then he surely isn't a God of love. Why would a God of love send people to hell after all? Why would a God of love act like this after all? If God even is real, then he's not somebody you want to know. And you say, oh, my kid's not hearing that. If, if they're in a public education or, or if they're in society at all, then this is what they're hearing. Either he's not real or he isn't good. They will not hear outside of the people in these churches who God really is or that God really is. And a lot of times what we do is we go through life and God gives us a victory, a crossing of Jordan, and we say, thank you, Lord, and on to the next, and we don't ever talk about it again. And then when our kids come to us and say, Dad, Mom, Grandpa, Grandma, show me how God's real. We got nothing. We say, uh... Well, God poted the Jordan, and they say, really? Looks like it's flowing fine to me. Well, you wouldn't believe it. God, God did this. Really? Where's that written down at? Well, God answers my prayers. Which ones did he answer? We got nothing. God said, make a pile of stones right here so that when your kids ask you, Hey, what's up with these stones? You can educate them about a God who is. You can educate them about a God who is powerful, a God who is loving, a God who cared for you, who provided for you, who brought you across Jordan, one who does miracles. And if there ain't no stones here, God already knew, y'all ain't going to tell them. And I'm afraid. I'm a children's director, right? So I try to focus on the children, but. I'm afraid that church children aren't hearing often enough in comparison to how often they hear that God isn't, how real God is. We go to missions trips often, and we see missions, and it's missions month, and we should be voting for those kids. But I can take you like two minutes up the road right here. And I can introduce you to kids who genuinely believe that God is not. I can take you for a walk. We don't even have to drive. And I can show you kids who are convinced that God is and that God hates them. And we got no stones to prove that God has ever done anything for us. If you want to see our kids in church this committed then we better have a lot of stones somewhere. We, we better have our kids tripping over stones everywhere. Hey, Mom, Dad, what's this book right here with all these prayer requests that say answered? Hey, Mom, Dad, what's this picture on the wall? Mom, Dad, what's this story I heard you telling your friends? Who is this God, and, and how come you got all these memorials set up? It's no surprise to me at all when church kids say, I don't believe God's real. Because although they read the book, we never show them his presence. I feel if I would have crossed the Jordan, my kids would have known. And I feel like they would have known so well 
that there is no way they would have not told their kids. Guess what happened to your grandpa? In fact, their kids' kids probably would have known. That's what I think. But apparently that's not true for two reasons. One, God said stack stones right here so you remember to tell them. And two, my life was changed a whole lot more than simply crossing a dry river. I mean, that's pretty cool. But in comparison to the miracle that Jesus Christ did in me when he saved me, when he died on the cross to change my life, crossing a river is nothing. He took me and made a new creation. He took me and completely changed who I am. And all too often, I bump shoulders with people and with children and with friends and say nothing. And they don't know. So I guess truth be told, maybe I wouldn't have talked about Jordan at all. Because all too often, I don't talk about the miracle that happened right inside of me. Do it for the children's sake. Man, they need to see the example. They have to see the example. Do it for the lost. Do it for the lost. If you guys are anything like me, and I'm supposed to be good at this, you probably don't have too many good one-liners to lead into the gospel. You probably aren't that smooth, and you're probably not that practiced at sharing the gospel. But I can tell you what I found to be true. The easiest way for me to share the gospel of Jesus Christ is through a mutual event. Look what God did for me. Someone asked, hey, what about this? Let me tell you how God provided right there, and then let me show you who God is right after that. Hey, what's up with this right here? Hold up. Let me show you how God works right here. Man, this is, this is convenient timing. Let me show you what God did to get me here right now. Let me tell you what's easy. It's easy to tell somebody that God poted the Jordan when they're asking about God poting the Jordan. When they say, hey, what's up with the stones? I don't have to have a conversation started because they just started it. But if I'm not setting up little stacks of stones, so to speak, in my life of things that God has done, then I'm all on my own about starting conversations. If I'm not talking about what God has done, if I'm not setting up things to remember, if I don't have an answer prayer list, if I don't have pictures saying this is what God did for me, if I don't use the things in my life to point others to Christ, then, yeah, I'm going to have to be like, um, have you ever heard of Jesus? Can I tell you about him? And I've had some good conversations that way. Hey, if you don't know for sure where you're going when you die, could I tell you? And I've had some good conversations that way. But the best conversations come when someone comes to me and says, Hey, I heard you say that God did this. Tell me how. Prove to me that this was God. Hey, I heard you say that God was blessing you. What? What blessings can you show me? If somebody asks you that, you better have something to show them. Do it for our sake so that we have faith in God. Do it for the children's sake. Do it for the sake of the lost. Tonight I want to ask you, are you ready to take the next step?
I started by saying, if we're going to take the next step, it's going to have to be something that we want to do. God doesn't drag anybody anywhere. And truth be told, if you don't want to serve, you don't have to. But the wilderness is a pathetic place to die. So tonight I ask, are you willing to take the next step? And for those of you who have and who have seen God bless, did you set up a memorial about it? Because if not, you're going to need to for your own sake and for the sake of kids everywhere and for the sake of the lost. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for the truth of this story and what a challenge it is to me. Too often, God, I, I hesitate at Jordan. And God, I look up and down the banks and I think about it and I try to reason it and ultimately, God, I don't take the step. Would you help me be discontent in the wilderness and God willing to get my feet wet? And God, sadly, I have way too few stone piles. God, may I make memorials of what you do in my life so that I can point others back to you. God, I'm ready to take the next step. Would you lead me to what it is? And God, for those here, if they're ready to take the next step in ministry for you, in service for you, God, in whatever way, financially, in time, in talent, whatever it be, God, if there be one, that the next step would be missions. Whatever it is, Make the next step clear. Prepare us to go. Help us to follow your example. Give us the courage to get our feet wet. And God, once you do the wonders, may we make a memorial out of it. Keep us safe as we travel home, God. Help us to live our lives to honor and glorify you. We love you, God, and we pray. Teach us, God, to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all just